0: Episode 33, The Truth About Abortion, Part 2, Mental Gymnastics. Before we get started, I want to ask you to do me a favor and share the show. If you are on Facebook or Twitter and the topic such as abortion, socialism, the Federal Reserve, Social Security, minimum wage, or maybe even Obamacare comes up, please share the specific TruthQuest episode. If you are listening to this on the Apple Podcast app, please take a moment and scroll down on the podcast page and give it a 5-star rating. Another way to help grow the show is to throw a small donation my way at the Truth Quest Podcast Patronage page. See this episode's show notes page at truthquest.podbean.com. The easiest way to stay up to date on the podcast is to subscribe on iTunes or Google Play Music. It's also available on Stitcher, Spotify, Podbean, and also on YouTube. Finally, please join the conversation on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash truthquestpodcast. In Episode 2, The Truth About Abortion, Part 1, I introduced the question, what about the baby? And I suggested that you use that question any time you are in a conversation with a pro-abortion advocate. We also discuss fetus development and address common arguments put forward by the same advocates. This episode has evolved into a cornucopia of abortion outtakes, contradictions, absurdities, and an expose of evil measures taken by pro-abortionists. Much of this was covered in my book, Critical Thinking. Again, see the show notes page for that link. So following the midterm elections last fall of 2018, progressives have gone into hyperdrive. We've got Democrats proposing asinine Green New Deal legislation that makes outlandish, unrealistic, economy-killing proposals on the one hand. Then we have pro-abortion movement legalizing infanticide in New York. I mean, the New York legislature passed such a law a few weeks back, I'm recording this in February of 2019. When the bill was passed, the chamber exploded into cheers, and the governor ordered the Empire State Building lit up in pink to commemorate the passage of a law that allows the killing of babies. Virginia's as-of-now current governor, Ralph Northam, explained in a radio interview how, under then-proposed legislation, babies born alive that were meant to be aborted would be comforted while the mother and the doctor conferred with each other over the baby's fate. The only conclusion a fair-minded person can draw is the Democratic Party has been transformed into the party of death. Plain and simple, I mean, is that harsh? You can say much the same about the Republicans when it comes to war, but see, the difference is both Democrats and the GOP are advocates for war. When it comes to abortion, all you can say about the national Republicans is they sit and spin on their thumbs, just like they do on every other consequential public policy issue. I mean, seriously, can you name for me one prominent Democrat who took to the airwaves or wrote an op-ed opposing these types of repugnant abortion laws? I came up with the name of a dozen or more anti-war members of Congress from both parties in a quick internet search. Democrats used to call for abortion to be safe, legal, and rare. But that was an intellectually dishonest argument because on the one hand, they try to tell us it's no big deal, yet on the other, it should be rare. Why rare if it's no big deal? Now they are in-your-face advocates for organizations that perform over 300,000 abortions a year and sell baby body parts, that being Planned Parenthood. More on that organization shortly. And now the Democratic Party favors infanticide. No topic exemplifies the adage, when you have the truth on your side, pound the truth. When you don't have the truth on your side, pound the table and do it loudly. Let me know if you agree after listening to this episode. American progressives are master marketers. They run exceptional public relations campaigns. They are wizards of messaging, spin, and propaganda. They are masters of the stiff arm, name calling, and the art of omission. They keep their opponents off balance with their constant repackaging and name calling. If it wasn't a matter of life and death, I would marvel at its effectiveness. Consider how they handle their agenda. So consider climate change. It went from global cooling to global warming to climate change, and now it's just called extreme weather. It doesn't matter what science says. They just keep adapting their message until they get what they want. They conveniently omit any facts that oppose their agenda. They have ignored evidence of data manipulation and skewing of data. What about entitlement spending? They know that once it's in place, you can never take it away. Every election cycle, they recycle the message of vote for us because the Republicans are going to take away your fill-in-the-blank welfare program. They ignore statistics proving the war on poverty has failed and how welfare has degraded the traditional family. What about illegal immigration? They call themselves compassionate. They call their opponents xenophobes. They conveniently ignore and omit stories about violent acts of crime committed by illegal immigrants. What about an anti-Trump message? You ever heard of deplorables? What about gay marriage? Anyone who opposes it are bigots and homophobes. They hurl charges of discrimination and racism at anyone who does not agree with their policies, while ignoring the fact that abortion is the ultimate form of discrimination. Abortion messaging is no different. Year after year, media outlets ignore the annual March for Life. They omit and ignore pictures of aborted babies. They refuse to acknowledge and discuss PTSD with women who have abortions, And most importantly, as we discussed in episode two, they never answer the question, what about the baby? Abortion messaging includes all the common refrains, back alley abortions, war on women, pro-choice, privacy rights, reproductive rights. A funding cut for Planned Parenthood is equated to sacrificing the health of wives, daughters, and granddaughters. Women's health issues. What right does some man have to tell a woman what to do with her body? An assault on women's rights. An orchestrated and historic effort to roll back basic rights when it comes to women's health. Republicans who choose abortion want women to die on the floor. Anti-choice. Most of you pro-lifers are pro-death penalty. What a bunch of hypocrites. Note on that last point, if only a baby could be subjected to a jury of her peers, a court of law, and years of appeals before being killed. Anyways, lots of, mentions of, lots of mentions of women's rights in their delirious cries for righteousness, but never any mention of the rights of the baby. I think it may be time for the pro-life movement to engage in the same rhetorical war that is waged against us. Women's health issues equals baby's health issues. War on women equals war on the unborn. Privacy equals right to be born. What about the baby? What about the baby? What about the baby? Pro-abortionists are unwilling to allow pro-lifers to bring morals into the debate. However, no such restrictions seem to be put on the opposition to war, or civil rights, or capital punishment, or the war on poverty. Why is abortion different? President Obama provided one of the most recent teachable moments in the abortion debate when several years ago he gave a speech commemorating Roe v. Wade. Listen carefully as I read the quote. What do you notice? Today, as we commemorate the 41st anniversary of the Supreme Court decision in Roe v. Wade, we recommit ourselves to the decision's guiding principle that every woman should be able to make her own choices about her body and her health. We reaffirm our steadfast commitment to protecting a woman's access to safe, affordable health care, and her constitutional right to privacy, including the right to reproductive freedom. And we resolve to reduce the number of unintended pregnancies, support maternal and child health, and continue to build safe and healthy communities for all of our children, because this is a country where everyone deserves the same freedom and opportunities to fulfill their dreams. Something is missing. Did you catch it? What about the baby's choice about his or her body? What about the baby's access to safe, affordable health care? What about the baby's constitutional right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness? What about the baby's right to be born? Reading between the lines presents a very sick perspective. For example, we resolve to reduce the number of unintended pregnancies by killing all unwanted babies, or we will build safe and healthy communities by killing off millions of babies and instilling a sense of irresponsibility on the part of sexually active men and women? Or, this is a country where everyone deserves the same freedom and opportunities to fulfill their dreams. Yeah, unless you're an unborn baby in the womb of a woman who does not want it. President Obama also had this to say once. I've got two daughters, nine years old and six years old. I'm going to teach them first of all about values and morals. But if they make a mistake, I don't want them punished with a baby what values and morals does this man subscribe to killing babies is a value to embrace killing babies is moral punished with a baby is one of the most despicable phrases uttered by united states president and there have been some despicables in that position i want to shift gears here and talk about planned parenthood for a minute full disclosure I have a special level of contempt for this organization known as Planned Parenthood, or as I prefer to call them, Prevent Parenthood, given that their largest revenue source comes from doing just that. It really goes back to the founder, Margaret Sanger, who is glorified by the organization and the mainstream media, yet both ignore her history, one that demonstrates her advocacy for the sterilization of the quote-unquote unfit She once wrote such wonderful prose as, Stop bringing to birth children whose inheritance cannot be one of health or intelligence. On top of that, she was also active in the eugenics movement and was a regular speaker at KKK meetings. You can research her history if you want to confirm. Fast forward 100 years from Prevent Parenthood's founding, and you have Project Veritas, where they uncovered this organization's leaders negotiating the sale of body parts of aborted babies. This is evil personified. Why hasn't the organization been shut down because of this? Why weren't any of the administrators arrested? To be fair to this now corrupt organization, in 1961, Prevent Parenthood's brochure entitled Plan Your Children for Health and Happiness, it did state that, quote, abortion kills the life of a baby after it has begun. It is dangerous to your life and health, end quote. Even Margaret Sanger recognized that abortion was murder. She once wrote, quote, no matter how early it the abortion was performed, it was taking life. Yet the organization evolved into a radical abortion factory that has the full support of the Democratic Party and whose funding is, for some reason, protected by the Republicans. Make no mistake, the vast majority of services performed for pregnant women at Prevent Parenthood are abortions, and they oppose all legal efforts to lower the abortion rate or slow down the decision-making process of the mother i.e. mandatory ultrasounds or mandatory waiting periods or mandatory adoption counseling. In my book, Critical Thinking, I presented a table depicting the level of government funding, the number of abortions performed, the number of adoption referrals, and the adoption-abortion ratio. Suffice it to say, from 2009 to 2018, government funding for Prevent Parenthood Has increased almost 50% from 363 million to as high as 563 million. That's half a billion dollars. During that time, they performed almost 3 million abortions while referring almost 20,000 women for adoption. That's a 133 to 1 abortion to adoption ratio. One of the most often cited arguments about defunding of Prevent Parenthood is it would limit the number of healthcare facilities available to women. Did you know there are 20 healthcare centers for every Prevent Parenthood clinic? Plenty of care available for women. Before we leave our discussion on Prevent Parenthood, consider the following. It provides very little health care, i.e. life-saving cancer screenings. Breast exams. Despite what you may hear from your favorite news outlet, Prevent Parenthood does not perform mammograms, just manual exams. They account for less than 2% of the nation's breast screenings. I want you to remember that. Prevent Parenthood does not perform mammograms. Secondly, they perform over 300,000 abortions a year. That's one every 98 seconds. Dinesh D'Souza once said this about Prevent Parenthood. Quote, let's just assume abortion is in the Constitution. Why should it be subsidized? We don't subsidize any of our other constitutional rights. The federal government does not build churches buy us guns, or buy us newspapers or media outlets so we can express our freedom of speech." Suffice it to say, Prevent Parenthood is one big con and apparently criminal organization, per the Project Veritas investigation, starting with its name, its funding, and the services it provides. Oh, and one last point that is worth your time researching for yourself. Look at the locations of the majority of Prevent Parenthood clinics. Pay particular attention to the demographics of the surrounding areas. If you look at the racial breakdown of the women who have abortions every year, you will see a startling pattern, one that the KKK would be proud of. The term pro-choice is one of the biggest con jobs in human history. It's great messaging, it's great PR, but it's a con nonetheless. Think about it. Hitler convinced the German people that Jews were inferior and needed to be exterminated. Liberals have convinced many in this country that the choice... To kill an innocent baby is no different than choosing which restaurant to go to. At least Hitler threatened to kill anyone who did not agree with him. What excuse do we have to accept the deaths of over 55 million babies since Roe v. Wade? Speaking of choice, how much of a stretch would it be to believe the following conversation could occur in America today between a common citizen and a Democratic member of Congress? Citizen, can I choose to smoke? Democrat politician, no, it's not good for you. Can I choose to own a gun? No, it's not safe for the children. Can I choose low-cost coal to generate electricity? No, it's not good for the environment. Can I choose a large soda? No, it's not good for you. Can I choose to pray in public? No, it might offend someone. Can I choose what school to send my kids to? Oh no, you must send them to the failing public school system. Can I choose whom to hire? Not really, we have regulations for that. Can I choose which pronoun to call someone? Absolutely not. Think about the Obamacare law. Can I choose to keep my doctor? Only if he complies with our regulations. Can I choose to opt out of Obamacare? Only if you pay the fine. Can I choose to keep my current health insurance plan? Only if it complies with our regulations. What can I choose? You can choose to have an abortion. We are constantly being told that abortion should be a decision between a woman and her doctor, a woman and her conscience, a woman and God. However, a woman should not have the right to choose to smoke, drink a sugary drink, own a gun, have affordable form of electricity, pray in public, have school choice for their children. My friend once posted a video of a presumably aborted baby still in the placenta. The video showed two nurses gently touching the baby, which clearly responded to their touch. Below is a conversation that ensued. Friend of my friend, why would you even show such a terrible video? Ugh, my friend. Because my heart aches for the babies that are conceived and then killed me why would you even share a horrible video because we tried putting our head in the sand we pretended pro-choice is admirable we allowed ridiculous rhetoric like war on women and women's health issues to go unchallenged at the end of the day we ended up with 55 million aborted babies friend of my friend you have your opinions i have mine you don't know if the baby was sick or anything 55 million aborted babies is a horrible number Now do your research on how many children are homeless, without loving families, growing up with drunks and narcotics around them. When you take care about all of those kids that suffer on a day-to-day basis, let me know and I'll put my head in the sand. Me. I don't follow. What does one have to do with the other? Aborted babies and abused children. Friend of my friend. Really? You don't follow at all? Well then I'm just going to stop right here. Me. Since you won't clarify, I'll infer. Those babies are better off never being born and having that decision made for them by their own mother. I assume your logic is that no one has grown up in a family of drunks or drug users have ever gone on to make wonderful contributions to society. They are better off never being born. Think about it. If abortion is no big deal and in the right of the mother, why would pro-abortionists be offended by pictures of aborted babies? And notice her inability or unwillingness to articulate a defense of her position. I'm just going to stop right here, because I have no idea how to defend the indefensible position that I apparently have. This is a typical response when dealing with many left-wing policies. That is why I encourage you to use questions as a debate tool. See, I didn't jump down her throat initially. I asked her to clarify her statement. I want to end this episode with that cornucopia of abortion-related topics I mentioned at the top of the show. I call this segment Mental Gymnastics. As I walk through each of these scenarios, ask yourself how pro-abortionists can claim to be intellectually honest when they hold such diametrically opposed views. Climate change and abortion. Who are the real science deniers? Climate change skeptics who seek verifiable, valid, and non-manipulated data proving that climate is detrimentally impacted by human activity prior to endorsing an economy-killing fix, or... Abortion advocates that deny, or better put, ignore science when it comes to the scientific evidence about babies in the womb. I couldn't help but be struck by the fact that many of the same people who tell us to ignore science in order to justify abortion are the same ones who argue that the science of global warming-slash-climate change must be followed. Christianity and abortion I know what I'm about to say may seem harsh, but you cannot be a Christian and pro-abortion. It is unfortunate that millions of Christians allow the intellectually lazy and straw man arguments many covered in episode 2 to justify their advocacy or women's right to choose. Like, what about rape and incest? This is one area where the topics we discuss here intersect, politics, public policy, and Christianity. We have thousands of self-proclaimed Christians in public office, most in the Democratic Party, who are pro-abortion, and apparently now pro-infanticide. How do they reconcile the two? According to the Bible, we are made in God's image, and murder is a sin. Pro-abortionists insist that the abortion debate be void of any theological argument. While pro-lifers are happy to accommodate this request, since the definition of when life begins is not found in the Bible or the Quran, but in any biology book, the real question is why the insistence on the lack of religious considerations? Consider that if your pro-life argument is based on religion, it is rejected outright, Meanwhile, the pro-abortion position is based on feelings and arbitrary lines drawn on the embryonic development scale. Gun control and abortion. What happens every time there's a mass shooting, especially in a school? Typically, liberal politicians sprint to the nearest microphone or social media site and feign sympathy for the shooting victims, and of course begin to chant for stricter gun control measures. The next day, these same politicians can be heard pontificating about the virtues of preserving abortion rights. How these hypocrites escape much-deserved ridicule is beyond me. Obama once justified laws to restrict gun ownership by saying, if there is only one step that will save one child, we should take it. Clearly his definition of child does not include babies in the womb or children killed during a shooting while law-abiding, gun-toting citizens might have killed the shooter, but was restricted from doing so because it was a gun-free zone. Pro-choice and slavery. During the years of slavery, one of the ways the pro-slavery movement, or as I like to call them, the pro-choice to enslave an entire race movement, defended their position was to argue that blacks were less than human and therefore did not have the same rights as whites. Fast forward 80 years after the Civil War, and you will find Hitler making the same arguments about Jews in Germany. The arguments about the unborn is the same twisted logic with the same sick results. The deaths of tens of millions of people. We simply replace one form of bigotry with the other. Why is sexism and racism wrong? We are singling out people because they are different from the current ruling class. How are the unborn any different? Question for skeptics. Was it wrong to legislate against slavery? Sexism? Racial discrimination? If not, how is legislation to protect an unborn baby from being murdered a bad thing? Abortion and double murder. Many states will prosecute killers for the death of an unborn baby during the murder of its mother. Yet the mother can choose to kill her baby in that same state. How do we as a society reconcile the two public policy positions? Update on this. With New York's new infanticide law, double homicide for the death of a mother and her baby in the womb is now off the table. A case like that was just referred last week. The next time you are confronted with the you shouldn't impose your beliefs on me argument, ask the person why not. Whatever he says next is imposing his beliefs on you. Mandatory waiting periods. Personally, I'm an advocate for mandatory waiting periods and ultrasounds prior to an abortion procedure. I would also be in favor of mandatory watching of an abortion procedure and or the mother speaking to a pro-life counselor about the alternatives available to her. After all, if a woman is about to take the life of an innocent baby, what is wrong with doing everything we can to change her mind while ultimately leaving the decision in her hands? Question for skeptics. How do you reconcile your advocacy for mandatory waiting periods to purchase a gun but your opposition to the one prior to a woman having an abortion? Twisted and Illogical. If it were not for the deadly result of the logic required to follow the pro-abortion argument, It would be comical think about it unborn women do not have the right to life however if they are born they have the right to abort their children or consider human rights causes many of these advocates are the same people who are pro-abortion so the human rights of the citizens of Cuba or Venezuela or China must be defended but we should not protect the unborn baby's right to life let's face it pro-choicers would become pro-life if they were in the womb Let's be honest here. The unborn do not vote, therefore they have no rights. That's the unfortunate unspoken logic currently being employed in the abortion debate. What does it say about a society where, as Greg Cunningham has often said, there are more people working full-time to kill babies than there are working full-time to save them? That's because killing babies is very profitable, while saving them is very costly. Rights granted by the government can be taken away by the government. after all, where does the right to abortion come from? Apparently it comes from the state, specifically the Supreme Court. We keep hearing that over and over again. What abortionists fail to recognize is that if rights are granted by the state, they can also be be taken away by the state. The pro-life movement argues that the right to life comes from God, and no state can take away what God has granted. If the state can find the right to abortion, the state can also take it away. What God grants cannot be taken away by government. One final question for skeptics to conclude this episode. Why doesn't life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness apply to the unborn? Please join the conversation on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash truthquest podcast.